0: Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan. I am the football Grump, and with me, as always, is the Cranky Fan. How you doing, Mike?
1: All right, Grump. What's going on tonight on this lovely post-draft pre-rookie camp night?
0: (laughs) Well, you missed out on one important thing in there is uh, Cinco de Mayo, and I've got uh, one of my leftover Cinco de Mayo beers in hand, and we're ready to go to uh, analyze the uh, offensive side of the ball post-draft.
1: Oh, yeah. We're – when you're in the dog days here of baseball and you're waiting for, for any type of football, I think a beer or two is very
0: necessary. Yeah. So, Enjoy the warm weather. Enjoy the boring sport and wait for the good sport. <laughs> All right. So we got a lot of stuff to cover, so we're going to jump right into it. Um, we'll start at the most important position and uh, the biggest shocker in the draft, I think, or maybe the most controversial pick in the draft for the Giants. We're going to go to quarterback. So prior to the draft, the Giants had – a pretty solidified start, as solidified a starter as there is in the NFC East with Eli Manning still under contract, um, and behind him were a couple of a couple of interesting names: Josh Johnson, who was signed on last year and backed up as the third quarterback on the roster, which was interesting in itself. And they had signed Geno Smith to a one-year deal. Then in the third round, drafted Davis Webb from Cal, so that puts the quarterback roster to four, which they will certainly not keep. So what do you think? Where, where's this going to be heading for this year?
1: I think they're going to cut Eli. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, it's too, I, too I, much I,
0: Cinco de Mayo for Mike.
1: Exactly. <laughs> A little Cinco de Mayo and St. Patrick's they all roll into one. <laughs> uh, no, I honestly think that Geno Smith's going to be the short man out. Um, I think they just kind of picked him up as an asset to have, you know, but I think with, with, with the drafting of, of Davis Webb, I think he's the odd man out. Um, I don't see his skill set as matching what we're trying to do. I don't think he's a very accurate quarterback. The guy's injury prone and I just think he's a distraction. You know, just you know, his history with the Jets and all the different things that have gone on, you know, the locker room incident where he got punched out. I, I just you know, if they didn't draft a quarterback, he'd be the backup quarterback, but I think now that there's options and there's a full quarterback room now, I think he's gonna be the odd man out. Just just my prediction.
0: I think you hit the nail on the head at the end there. I think that the Giants were were using free agency to let the draft do let the draft fall to them. And if a quarterback did not that they liked did not fall to them to be the potential future, they were ready to keep Geno Smith who's only 26 and was only making a million dollars this year, I think as a guy who maybe that still had time that they could groom him perhaps. Um it was it was sort of a risk reward thing. Maybe it would just be this year and see what they had. You know, maybe it would be for a couple more years. But I think now that one of the quarterbacks they did like did fall to them and they took him, the legitimate battle between Josh Johnson and Geno Smith is kind of a farce, and they're going to end up say, uh, keeping Josh Johnson because of his experience in the system. Um, he's more likely to come in and run. You know one quarter's worth of plays if disaster strikes and not be a complete failure um, than Geno Smith would be, who is just now learning the offense for the first time.
1: And, and also, what's Josh Johnson's cap number? I mean, I know Geno's only a million, but if he's, you know, 875, it's still a little bit of a savings. I mean, how much do they save by keeping Josh Johnson as opposed to keeping Geno? Or is it even that big of a deal?
0: I mean, I don't think it's a big deal the other way, but I think Geno Smith is the cheaper one. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah. I think I, a backup quarterback usually makes a couple million. They got Gino on the on the short end,
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Um, but it's still at this point probably a negligible amount or amount that they they'd be willing to spend extra to keep a guy who knows what he's doing back there.
1: Let me ask you a question. Let's play crystal ball and you know bad crystal ball. It's week eight and Eli goes down for the season. Do you think that? Uh, Davis Webb is the guy they turn to. or They stick with Josh Johnson. You know, they just say, "Okay, he's going to play and just get some get some real time experience because this season's going to be shot, most likely." I mean, Josh Johnson's not he's not Jeff Hosteller. He's not taking this team to the promised land.
0: Well, it's going to depend. It, I mean, we're playing crystal ball very far in the future, and that we have no idea how this team is playing. There's a lot of ifs to be to be thrown in there. You know, what's our record at week eight? You know, are we four and four? Or are we seven and one? How's the running game? I think plays a huge part in that. If you feel like the running game and the defense is playing so well, you know maybe you do th- throw Davis Webb back there. There's not as much pressure on him to make the throws. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you're requiring a guy who's, you know, gotta really have command of the huddle and be able to audible and really knows the system a lot better, and like not just the system but an NFL system at NFL speed, you know maybe you roll the dice with. Josh Johnson and hope for the best. There's a lot of ifs to be thrown in there. It might
1: be also the way the Giants look at uh, Davis Webb. I mean, are they looking at him as a a project? Or are they looking at him as somebody that, you know, let's say Eli decides he's going to retire after this season, 2017. Would he be ready to be in the mix to start in 2018? I mean, I guess how did the Giants look at him?
0: Uh, I mean – I think that they view him as at least a two-year project, and if Eli were to retire this year, they would sign a free agent for next year mm-hmm. um, so that Davis Webb wouldn't have to come in until like week 15. You think they are looking much more down the road? Than... I think I think they've invested a heavy pick in him. I think they knew when they picked him that he would require some grooming, and I think they're not willing to waste that and throw it all away. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Uh, well, I mean, let me ask you this. What did you think of Dak Prescott last year before – Tony Romo went down.
1: I thought he was a guy that was one of those, you know, I hate to use the comparison to Tebow, but one of these guys that would be an above average SEC quarterback, but I did not see him translating into the NFL. And then when I heard these early stories in training camp and like in the first two uh, preseason games, I, I just wasn't buying it, you know, and, you know, he was, he was adequate. I mean, I wouldn't say the offense hummed because of him, but he certainly wasn't a negative. So, but again, Dak Prescott is the exception, not the rule. And it happens all the time because something happens once. People automatically say, well, like, oh, you know what happened last year? Dak Prescott. It could happen again. So,
0: Yeah, I, th- I think that's my point. I, so what I was going to say was that Dak Prescott was not all that impressive in a lot of senses that a quarterback needs to be. But because Dallas – first of all – as a side note, before I get into this, I don't know how Rod Marinelli does it. That defense is abysmal, and I don't know how he gets them to play so well. There's, there's like, no stars on that defense at all. No. Um, and yet they posted decent enough numbers. So, but whatever. The point is,
1: oh, wait, when you can, when you can control the clock, running the ball at that offensive line, the defense. You know, I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um but, you know, time of possession I'm sure it was huge for Dallas. Yeah. And that you know, that that keeps your defense a, a fresh defense in the fourth quarter can make up for, you know, talent and in, in, in deficiencies, so
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, so that's really what I was gonna say. There wasn't a whole lot of pressure on Dak to win games. And when there was is when they lost. So when they played the Giants late in the season last year, I know everybody likes to say that Des Bryant had one catch against the Giants that led to a fumble and that's it. But I mean, a lot of that had to do with the fact that Dak Prescott's just not that good of a quarterback yet. I mean, he still could be, but
1: well, we got lucky too. We, we faced him in Game One, right? So, yeah. you know, we nobody knew what to expect, and he wasn't the quarterback he was in Week you know, Thirteen or Fourteen. Um, you know, he's. I think he'll be exactly exact okay. type of quarterback. The exact 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 type exactly quarterback they need for that system. I mean, they're going to be you know a, a run heavy, you know, manage the clock, control the clock type of offense. You know, and uh, you know, maybe you, you hit Des Bryant with a big shot every once in a while, and and then you see.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, like I said, we don't know what the running game is going to be like this year. You know, we don't know what the right side of the line even looks like. We don't know what the running back rotation is going to be. So, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to for Davis Webb. If, if Eli <laughs> were to go down with some horrible injury. Should the team look like a little bit like Dallas did on offense last year, then, yeah, maybe throw him back there. I mean, of course, this is also assuming that he impresses right away, which he may, he may not do.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. But I think there's also kind of a plan for him. Like, what, what track are they looking for him?
0: Like, is he someone,
1: if he's a two year project, you know, he's not going to get the reps right now that he would if they're thinking, this is a guy that we can probably plug and play if we had to in week 14. Yeah. So I, I just don't know, and we'll find that out, you know, as we speak, hear, like, from the coaches and, and we see what goes on during training camp of what you know how many reps he's getting is he getting any reps with the second team is he getting any reps with the first team? i mean who knows so i mean mm-hmm. when you draft a guy you draft a guy in the third round that's kind of a tweener pick of you know fifth or sixth round is like you know that's just your you know your long-term investment doesn't pan out who cares third round you're right on the, the threshold of this guy might be my quarterback of the future he's not all the you know your eggs in the basket he will be but it's a pretty significant pick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Shooting down the line, though, we'll jump to the fourth-round pick in the running back rotation. So what the Giants have uh, is Paul Perkins, who Ben McAdoo just last week, I think, came out and said that he is ready to take the full workload as the starter. He penciled him as the pre, pre-summer pre starter, which could mean nothing.
1: Yeah, uh, it's just, it's pretty a strange thing considering what's really happened between – You know the the Green Bay playoff game, and now you know you have it—a handful of OTAs.
0: And I I think all it is, whenever it's before summer, it's who's going to get the most snaps. Mm -hmm. I mean, that could change in the middle of summer. That could change the first day. You know, it—it means nothing. It means that they have him penciled in as a starter. Now it's subject to change. That's all it means.
1: Yeah, but anybody can look at the roster, can see that though, too. So
0: yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, Then we also have Shane Vereen. Uh, Orleans Darko was signed on for one more year, and the Giants picked up Sean drone from the San Francisco Forty ers In addition to that, the Giants picked up Wayne Gallman from Clemson, who's a little bit more of a one-cut power back. Uh, what do you see here?
1: I hate to say it, but I think Darko is going to be the short man out. Uh, I, I still think Shane Vereen offers some, you know, some flexibility on third down or something. I, they're not going to they're going to keep the rookie, you know, obviously, and, and Perkins. So. I think Darkwa is going to be the guy that's going to
0: the odd man out. It would be Perkins, Vereen, Gallman, and Drone is what you're saying?
1: That's what I'm saying,
0: yeah. It's interesting. I'm actually not sure. I think Vereen might be the guy out. Uh, so when I look at it, I think Vereen and Darkwa might be guys out. I'm not convinced that they're going to keep four guys uh, it's going to depend on how they view the tight end situation, how they view a potential fullback role if they want to do that. And it's going to depend on how many offensive linemen they want to keep. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's going to depend on special teams because I don't know that Shane Vereen plays a lot of special teams. He's not old, but he is sort of getting up there. He has a lot of miles. Yeah. Um. So it's, it's interesting the overlap in characteristics. Uh, I think Orleans Darkwell offers a lot of what Wayne Gallman – already offers
1: he's cheaper and under more control yeah all things equal that's always going to win
0: yeah but i think also sean drone from what i've watched offers a lot of what shane vereen offers Mm -hmm. um it's not quite as good but he's much younger um and he's a little bit more explosive in my opinion when he's upfield upfield so it's going to be interesting i think there's going to be a real legitimate running back battle and it's going to cut you know orleans darkwa does actually play special teams, uh, and he's he's pretty good at it.
1: Yeah, but the run, this running game has been so bad that, you know, because the guy plays special teams, I don't think he's going to make the decision. I think they're going to want the best potential for a playmaker. Well,
0: I think that the top three are the guys who are going to be playing mainly the running back position, and I think mm-hmm. there's going to be one guy who's going to have to offer something else, like special teams. Now, that that person might be Wayne Gallman. Don't think I'm not saying that. It could The rotation for running back could be Perkins, Vereen, and Jerome, with Gallman, you know, sort of getting a touch here or there, but mainly getting a shirt because of his special team's value. That could very well be. I could see that.
1: I could see that. Because I I think nobody thinks that Shane Vereen is even is a long term and who knows, the guy's pretty brittle. I mean he could be out in week four and an IR again and then you know the problem's you know, the numbers problem is solved.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think every year that there's a surprise cut, we there's a veteran that everybody expects to make the team that just doesn't uh, Shane Vereen only has one year left on his contract. They may just cut him early. <laughs> I, I think he, he, on the offensive side of the ball, is the guy who could be the surprise cut. I think there's one on defense also, but we'll, we'll stick with offense today.
1: Yeah, I, I got one. He's coming up, but not quite yet. I don't know how much of a surprise, but I think it's the guy that, you know, the biggest name who will get cut. Yeah, We'll get to him in a little bit.
0: But, yeah, so I, I think there's a real – jumble up at the running back position, and there's a, maybe like a 40% chance that it's Vereen instead of Darkwa. Darkwa 60% chance that it's him over Vereen that gets cut. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. A lot of it's going to depend on, you know, how things go, and of course Vereen's injury history. That's what I mean. But also, yeah, I but also Darkwa's, I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, they were both on IR last year.
1: I, I just, again, I, I'll believe it when I see it, if um, Shane Vereen can play a full season, even projecting even further than that, you know, I, I just can't see it. So I, you know, I, I but I think, it, assuming he's healthy coming out of camp, I, I think the coaching staff likes his skill set and I think he'll, he'll have a spot.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move to tight ends now. We'll stay with the draft picks. Mm-hmm. So the Giants signed Rhett Ellison to a big four year deal this year. Um, in addition to that, last year they had drafted in the sixth round Jarrell Adams out of South Carolina. Um, mm-hmm. Their established starter for two years now has been Will Ty out of Stony Brook. Uh, there's also Matt Lacoste, who's kind of hung around as the that they had taken as an undrafted free agent out of Illinois, who's sort of that fullback tight end role that never saw the field because of injuries and little bumps and bruises, and also the fact that he was on the roster bubble. And then, of course, this year's first round pick, Evan Ingram out of Old Miss. What do you see going on here? It's a lot of names.
1: Yeah, I think this is the pick I was alluding to before. I think Will Ty is going to be the one who's going to get cut. I I just think that uh, he's very pedestrian. There's nothing really spectacular in anything he does. He's not a good blocker. You know, he, he can catch the ball, but doesn't do anything with it once he has it. And I just think there's there's younger, cheaper guys with more talent in this position where we need to help really, really badly. So I think he's going to be the big name that's going to get cut.
0: So how many uh, tight ends do you see the? the giants having on Broster.
1: i see them keeping three to four i mean i, I think again it depends on those final numbers come out and you know again assuming all these guys can stay healthy which again they have high hopes for guys like lacoste but these guys at some point gotta get on the field yeah so i think there's more talent between ellison and uh ingram now that you don't have the luxury of stashing these guys because we don't have really anybody else i mean they want to have that tight end more involved in the offense you know a guy like Ingram who can make m- mismatches and, you know, Ellison who can who can block and play that little H-back role. So there's things we can do now we could not do last year.
0: So who's, who's the one who's on the bubble if they go three instead of four? I think Lacoste is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to agree with that assessment 100%. I think um, – well, I mean I think it's going to come down to Will Tye and Matt Lacoste. If Matt Lacoste can't stay healthy in this to stay four, obviously it's going to be tie.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I'm going back to the all things equal, and that means everybody's healthy. Yeah. But again, this is a unit that has trouble staying healthy. I
0: think that as long as Ingram can show just enough ability to block where he can be deceptive in that you don't know if he's actually going to throw a block or if he's just feigning missing a block or – you know, I think that's going to be good enough for year one for us to really only see Ellison and Ingram on the field.
1: Yeah, again, I think people are overreacting a little bit to Ingram saying, "Well, he can't block at all." I mean, the guy was a first-team All-American tight end. That implies you have to have some base skill in blocking. He's not like just complete, you know, smurf running back, uh, wide receiver going out there. So, I mean, I think there is some basic skill, and in, in his system also, he wasn't asked to block as much. So, I wouldn't freak out just yet until we actually see, you know, the reports from camp, training camp, in the first few games how. He actually is.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not going to line him up against DeMarcus Ware. You know what I mean? Like, No. He's not going to be up against Michael Strahan, Reggie White, guys like that. But, I mean, if he's going to throw a block on, on somebody, he's just going to hold it for two seconds. That's, that's exactly. pretty much that's, it. Exactly.
1: That's what the role of the modern tight end is these days. I mean, the days of Mark Bavaro are gone. You know, these, these bruising guys who just were, you know, blocking these big run games. I mean, these guys will chip a little bit and they're out – to to do their patterns so
0: yeah and 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 don't forget this guy ran a really fast 40 he's probably not going to even be asked to block even that much in the giant system
1: probably not no and also based upon the packages they're going to use too because we talked about this last time he might be taking some snaps sterling shepherd would be the guy over the middle so you know it depends on what kind of base personnel they're going to use you know that might impact also his is asking to block as opposed to just being a straight up receiver.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the Giants at all use jumbo tight end sets, you know, throwing in the backup offensive linemen. There's a lot that they can do with a guy with that kind of talent, which is sort of why you grab talent instead of names or uh, positions, rather. I mean, absolutely. But yeah, we're, think,
1: we're, not, we're not the Browns.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Jarrell Adams is the interesting guy in there because he's the guy who they kind of want to be both, right? He's the guy who's going to be able to block pretty well and also run patterns, and he has, you know, the the length that you want in a tight end to to run the seam route and all that sort of thing. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of step he takes in his second year and how, well, how often he plays.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of pressure on him, I think, for a roster spot going forward because I think, you know, when they drafted him, there was no Ellison. You know, there was no Ingram, and all of a sudden... You know, you're getting a lot more competition for guys that, you know, can be legitimate ballers. So where, you know, he was thought of last year as someone that can ease into the position. Now all of a sudden has a lot of competition, and his roster spot's a lot more tenuous than it was this time last year, obviously. Or yeah. this time last year, where they thought he'd be at this point next year.
0: Yeah. So so what you were saying about uh, having Ingram in a, in snaps where you'd normally see Shepard, it'll be interesting to see if the leap he takes, whether it's this year or next year, Jarrell Adams, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, the int- it, it'll be interesting to see if if the if the he takes a significant step, so that you have two decent blocking tight ends with Ellison and Adams. If you see three tight ends in the field with Ingram, kind of playing Shepherd spot. Yeah, that, that would be interesting, and it'd be certain. How do you even defend against that?
1: Well, that's the thing. I mean, that's you're trying to create mismatches, and you know if you, you
0: know if we start using
1: his little you know Waffle House menu that he had for uh, his playbook as opposed to just using you know the, the standard stuff out of the base 11 that's what this offense can get really interesting
0: there's a lot yeah. of things you can do too because i mean don't forget he's 6-2 evan ingram so you could even have brandon marshall on the sideline do a bunch set with with beckham ingram and Shepard, and then yeah. still have adams and ellison in the back
1: it's a but, whole different look than last year and it's not just a bunch of smurfs anymore so
0: the more i've thought about it the the more I like the Ingram pick. I mean, again, when the comparisons
1: were the Jordan Reed, and it's a guy that we know that we could not defend, and a lot of people in this league cannot defend. You know, mismatches are what make this league right now. You know, it, it and having a guy like that is, and don't forget, you know, as as good as Jordan Reed was, he never had an Odell Beckham who took all of the pressure yeah. off of him too. So again, he's not going to be the guy to be double teamed over the middle or what he's trying to do. You know, you're going to have. You know, and Odell Beckham, and you're going to have a Brandon Marshall who's going to take a lot of attention away from, you know, his life will be easier than he thought it was going to be.
0: Yeah, should hope that he won't have the injury issues that Jordan Reed had too.
1: Yeah, well, you know, that's something you know you you can't predict that and, and you know hope so we'll see.
0: Yeah, uh, how do you want to do offensive line? Do you want to go by position? Or do you want to just do the whole offensive line all at once? Let's
1: let's do offensive line the whole the whole thing at once because it's kind of a collective unit. I think when we get more into closer, you know, into training camp is that we can really break down each position. But I think right now it's just kind of an overview of where we think the unit is and you know the improvements that might be or what to expect.
0: Sure. Okay. Uh, so, I I have this written down as my projected starter. So. The fact that I'm prefacing that should tell you that absolutely nothing is written in stone here. (laughs) You don't write it in stone? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) This this is what I have written down but not in my Flintstones notebook here.
1: All right, Uh, Bam Bam, go for it.
0: (laughs) So I have, as my projected starters, Eric Flowers at left tackle, Justin Pugh at left guard, Weston Richburg at center, John Jerry right guard, DJ Fluger right tackle. What I have is my backups were Bobby Hart, Brett Jones, and Adam Geddes. I had three guys listed as scrubs were Jalapio, Wallace, and Bowie. Now, in addition to that, the Giants were a little bit active in the draft. Not as active as some people wanted, but nevertheless they picked Adam Bisnowati, who can play tackle and guard at from Pitt in the sixth round. In addition to that, in you know, as undrafted free agents, they picked up two two names that caught a lot of eyes. Uh which were Chad Wheeler the left tackle from USC and Jessamyn Dunker who played a guard and tackle at Tennessee State after um Don't say it. He never he never enrolled doesn't count. He doesn't he but it's important that he was recruited. That's true. Um there's talent there. So Jessamyn Dunker was recruited by a prominent SEC school and <laughs> we'll never, name
1: nameless. <laughs> yeah,
0: never, never uh, made it to campus really before being kicked off for behavioral issues, had a clean slate from everything I've understood at Tennessee State, impressed at the Senior Bowl. He projects more to guard but does have experience playing guard and tackle. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of names.
1: I, I think it's interesting that you didn't have the, uh, the guy from Pitt even in your second team.
0: Oh no, no no! I broke it down. I broke it down by what I had before the draft and then after the draft. Okay, okay. So the last three you. names were all from the from after the draft. Just okay, okay. I'll let you. I'll let you take your first stab at it, and I'll jump in.
1: There. Yeah, I think Fluker is going to start as well. I I, I just um, Bobby Hart to me seems like kind of like a super utility guy, but I don't see him as a starter in the NFL. Um, I, I like the fact that they have a couple more guys; they can have a little more of a rotation if they need to to keep some of these guys fresh, possibly. Um, but I, I think Fluker is going to win the spot at right tackle as well.
0: And, and I also think that
1: the guy from Pitt has the potential for starting out – for putting the starting job at right guard too.
0: Um, do you think either the undrafted free agents make it to the roster's backups, practice squad? What do you think? I think
1: maybe one of them might maybe make the practice squad I think. I mean again, everybody bemoans the lack of talent. But when you're bringing guys kind of off the street, which is kind of what these guys are, it's it's a real long shot too. Again, we have to always preface everything with how healthy do we come out of training camp. Uh, but I don't – I personally don't think any of these guys make much of an impact.
0: So I had, I had Bobby Hart, Brett Jones, and Adam Geddes as my backups. That was before the draft. Afterwards, I think there's no chance Biznawadi doesn't make the roster.
1: Right. Um, I think Jones makes it – I think they like him. I think they like him a lot. They think he's a smart guy. I think they'll find a place for him. Uh, Geddes, I don't know.
0: He, I'm gonna say Geddes little... is gone now. I think he might be the odd man out as well. For sure. I think also so that's that's assuming that we have eight offensive linemen. I think there's a really good chance that we keep nine.
1: I also think we're gonna I think we might get a, a cut down day pickup as well. That too. could that could be also definitely definitely see that
0: possibly happening. I think that there's a real chance that Dunker is the guy who makes the roster. And there's a reason <laughs> for that. Um I know that Chad Wheeler has. He comes with a lot of. St- I, I mean, he played left tackle at USC. He's six seven, three hundred six pounds. He's got talent. He was pushed off the draft boards for stupid character issues, just the same as Jessamyn Dunker. The difference. Yeah,
1: but he, when, what, once those guys are on rosters, though, that type of shit goes away. I mean, to be very honest, you know, that's going to impact your, you know, second round versus third round questions. But once, once you're in the league, that goes. I mean, look at a guy like Janoris Jenkins. Does anybody even think about that anymore? The stuff he did at Florida, no, no, nobody even batted an eyelash when it was free agent time. So, I, I think those type of concerns kind of go away once you're once you're in the in the in the league.
0: Well, Norris Jenkins was drafted, though, wasn't he?
1: He was drafted, but I mean, he was a you know, he was a potential you know high first round pick before he got booted off Florida.
0: So you're sort of sort of making my point for me. So. Mm-hmm. Chad Wheeler was at USC, where he didn't impress enough to be drafted. On the other hand, Jessamine Dunker, who also wasn't drafted, so I'm not making a perfect comparison here, but he impressed enough to go at the same stage as Chad Wheeler, playing at a Tennessee State his entire collegiate career. He impressed mm-hmm. at the Senior Bowl. I mean, that's the kind of persistence that you need. You know, remember Damon Harrison was not drafted either. And right. it, it comes down to how how bad you want it. I think, from what I see, Dunker wants it more than Wheeler, and I think that there's a good chance because the offensive line is so bad that we keep nine guys. And if that's the case, I think Dunker has a good shot to take an opportunity here. They all do, but I think he's he's really already positioned himself. I think he I think he might want it really bad. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I think when you look at it, Dunker's made the mo- it was it could be easy for him to just give up football. You know, being thrown off a team before he even plays for them.
1: Right. 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 Yeah, he he's so persistence. I mean it's a long road back. But we've seen a lot of examples of that happening and guys being very successful in the NFL, so
0: Yeah. Um I I'm I'm very curious to see what he can do. Um as far as the starting lineup goes, I'm gonna I'm gonna remain the same here. I'm gonna say John Jerry's got the right guard spot. He knows it well enough. I know he can't run block, but he is a very good pass blocker. Keeping mm-hmm. Eli healthy is of utmost concern. I don't think Bobby Hart is a great fit for guard. I think he can do it if he needs to. But I think really DJ Fluker signing was a push for Hart. And it was going to see, like, are you going to snag this position or not? Kind of signing. Because they're going to play the best guy.
1: Well, let's let's talk about Eric Flowers for a minute. Okay. I mean, what, what are the potential outcomes for this season? I mean, the, the first one is, A, he significantly gets better and you know, case is closed and he's gonna be our left tackle for the next couple of years. There's the one where he kinda of continues to struggle, you know, bad uh bad footwork, bad technique, you know, maybe not doesn't kill Eli, but still tons of holds, for example. And he just kind of remains our starting left tackle for the whole season and we decide to reevaluate next year. Or there's the he is god awful and a move has to be made. I mean what happens in scenario three?
0: Well, I think that's when it becomes interesting when you have somebody like Adam Biznawadi and Chad Wheeler waiting in the wings. They both right. play and I, a and guess, tackle.
1: And I guess my question, my you know follow up question to that is: Is this coaching staff and the, and the general manager preparing for situation three right now? Is a real realistic possibility and maneuvering that line and who's going to make the team? For that eventuality.
0: I mean I don't think so because if they were really maneuvering for that possibility to be a possi- – like to, to, to have to potentially make a move this year midseason, I don't think you have a better option obviously or else I would have said something about there being a competition. And, right, right, right. I mean but if they have to make a move midseason, it's going to be a downgrade. Uh I think the best shot you might have would be throwing Justin Pugh over there, but you don't want to do that because you're taking your best lineman and moving him out of position.
1: Yeah, I I think honestly that would be – I, that's what I think might happen. if, Again, I think the odds of this are –
0: they're not remote, but I, I think, think it's – I think they're fancy. pretty slim. I don't think – here, here's what I'm going to say about Eric Flowers. I don't think he got worse last year. I think he only got a little bit better and that's it. I think people were really hoping that – he would get a lot better, and it was disappointing to see that he didn't get a lot better. Um, remember, most of his problems were not sacks; they were untimely holds, right? Or exactly things like that. Which, if you're going to make a mistake as a left tackle, it's it better be that.
1: And that's what I was saying before: is like he's not going to get Eli killed necessarily, and he's going to hold his own in the run game.
0: But so I think scenario two is a lot more likely than scenario three for that reason alone.
1: Now the question is, what do you, you know? Again, it's really early. We haven't seen really any practice time or you know anything. But what percentage you put on scenario one versus scenario two
0: with him? Well, so okay, I think scenario one is a little bit twofold, right? There's the real potential that. He's taken a huge leap, and now suddenly he's a competent left tackle. And then there's or like well, wait know, a minute, wait subset a B to scenario to, to stop one.
1: Stop you right there. Okay. Do we don't even think he's a competent left tackle right now? We think he's a sub competent, or he just like our expectations because he was a high draft pick, and he has a lot of holds.
0: No, I, I would say he's subpar. I think he's I think he's just below average.
1: Okay. I w- so I mean, that
0: would be my assessment.
1: I so think a that. Significant- so a significant
0: leap puts him to just adequate? Um, I would say uh, slightly above average. I think he's okay. I think he's just like on the low end of average. I don't really look at these things, but pro fo- football focus ranks him, I think, the lowest of all tackles in the league. Well, that's uh, not good. No, no, it's terrible. But, I mean, I don't I don't really go by that. Yeah, because
1: they've had I, some pretty crazy things. I've seen some things like where
0: right guard we have all of a sudden is like the number one
1: rated for that week. And it's like, come on, give me a break.
0: Yeah. You know, so – um, yeah, I, I go more by the eye test than anything, and I think that he's not good. Um, But he, if he were abysmal, I mean, that would be a whole different story. I mean, he's not Luke Jokel, you know? When I say that he's not good and I don't sound that pissed off about it is because I know he's really young, and it's, it was only his second year. That's going to happen. Uh, he was not even expected to play his first year. They didn't draft him for that. When they used the ninth pick in the draft, they were hoping that they could spend some time getting him ready. And then all of a sudden, he was the starter and the second most important position in the offense. So, yes. I mean, I understand these things, and I don't get too mad about it. Okay, so back to what I was saying, though. In scenario one, there's, there's the chance that, A, he really did take a significant leap, and it's legitimate, and he's now an above-average left tackle. In whatever capacity, how far? Or, or, up, yeah, above at it.
1: least he's someone we don't have to worry about for the next couple of years. Yeah. Like he's just there, and that's it. That. Or maybe he suddenly.
0: How about even this? He's not the biggest liability on the line. You know, maybe now <laughs> that's right guard or right tackle, which are
1: cheaper to replace than a left tackle. Yes.
0: Yeah. And then there's scenario to that, which is the offensive line in general is playing better, the offense itself is so much better, the defense is just as good as last year, if not better, and the whole team as a whole is winning like crazy, and then there's sort of this illusion that he got a lot better than he did. You know, I think those are two different sets of he got better, right? Yeah. Um, I think
1: and- it's saying the fan base kind of relaxed and calmed down a little bit, because I think those type of things snowball, and you know, a, a, a badly timed hold freaking we've seen it in our section people start freaking out and as they lose complete confidence you know not grading every play every block but there's a hold it's second and 10 or now it's third and 15
0: yeah and i so there's there's two sets to that i think i think b might be a little bit more likely i think the giants have added more talent on offense i think that they've addressed some of the problems remember Fans that were freaking out that we didn't get an offensive lineman higher in the draft because we couldn't block, don't forget they signed Rhett Ellison. Tight mm-hmm. ends not being able to block was a just as big of a concern last year as sure. the tackles. Sure. And they took sure. care of that right away. So, I mean... These, and they didn't
1: reach and go out of their value zone either. So. Yeah,
0: these these little moves. And then additionally, they got Evan Ingram, who you know we have... We, we have suddenly more firepower on offense, too. They got Brandon Marshall, more firepower on offense. And the other thing is that Victor Cruz couldn't get open. So now that, that three-headed monster was really sort of a two-and-a-half-headed monster. Yeah.
1: That's something people hearkening back to 2007 when it was 2016.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the Giants did make moves to help the offense this year that mm-hmm. I think will – give the illusion that the line is not as bad as it was last year. Or maybe maybe even the line wasn't as bad last year as we thought because of these issues. So I do think that Eric Flowers will continue to steadily improve. I think he did improve last year. Um, it just wasn't as much as everybody hoped. And I think also the year before the Giants offense was so good and it wasn't as good last year overall, we weren't scoring points and... You gotta point the finger somewhere and it was just so easy yeah, and, to point it at everyone. And the flowers. play
1: calling was different, which is a chicken or the egg. Was it the play calling because of the line or you know, or back and forth? So Yeah.
0: And it was like should should Ben McAdoo even be calling plays? There were a lot of things last year. And, and Eli
1: I don't think Eli was as good as he was the year before either. Yeah. We have a quarterback that let's face it, it's not thirty years old now in the prime of his career. He's starting to make that slow decline.
0: Yeah. So as far as Eric Flowers goes, I think that there's a lot of things. It's, remember, football is the ultimate team sport, in my opinion. One thing going the right direction could change everything on this offense. You know, I think he'll continue to improve slowly and steadily, which I think was the case with him all along. Uh, you know, Justin Pugh and of Richburg, I think, are solidified in their spots. John Jerry I already said, I think, is the right guard for now. Um, with some guys waiting in the wings. DJ Fluker, I think, has taken the right tackle spot. Right behind him, like you said, Bobby Hart as that swing guy. I think Brett Jones, the Canadian guy who is the most experienced backup center we have but also can play guard, I think he's there. Adam Geddes, I think, is gone. And I say that mainly because he was kind of on and off the roster last year. And I Mm -hmm. think they were looking for more upside. I think we've seen the ceiling with Adam Geddes. Yeah. And he's a fringe roster guy. I think right. you'd rather, if you're going to get a fringe roster guy, it might as well be a guy who's 22,
1: 23. A lot, yeah, a lot cheaper, too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, if it's me, I'm saying is making the roster, and I think there's a chance a ninth guy's on there. And based on the current things, I'm going to make my guess that it's going to be Dunker. It could just as easily be Wheeler, though. Um,. And it could just as easily be a guy who's currently not on the roster.
1: And as my, I think that ninth guy is somebody who's in another camp right now. So,
0: all right, man, we got one position group left on the offense that we didn't talk about. It's wide receivers. It's gonna be fun to watch this year. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the group, right? So we have our obvious projected starters: going to be Beckham, Shepard, and Marshall. Um, and then our. The backups currently on the roster that are worth talking about, in my opinion, are Roger Lewis, Tavares King, and Dwayne Harris. And then in the draft, the Giants did not address the wide receiver position, but they did in the undrafted free agency. They picked up a number of guys, all of which were 6'3", with the exception of one. Uh, Travis Rudolph being that one, a pro- very productive receiver from Florida State. Um and the other really notable one, I think, is Rob Wheelwright from Wisconsin who is 6'3 and had decent enough production from a team that has no quarterback at all. What's it going to be here?
1: You're looking at a, a starting three, and if you throw an Ingram, that's a pretty
0: that's
1: – some, that's some power. I mean that's some that's, that's major wattage from your wide receivers. And I think just having those weapons alone, kind of we just said in the last segment, changes everything for this offense. It, it, it could inherently make your offensive line better because these guys, they could do so many different things in, in this intermediate and the long you know, passing game. I think Dwayne Harris, I think he's safe. I, I, I still think, you know, he, with the stuff he does in special teams and everything, I think he has a roster spot. It's really between King and um, Roger Lewis to me. I think Tavares King's going to make it.
0: You yeah. do, okay. So here's, here's our big, our key difference, and um, I'm going to say it's going to be Roger Lewis. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that because... For, for two things. Roger Lewis is outstanding as a gunner on special teams. I do mean outstanding. From what I watched, so I took notes when I rewatched every single game, and mm-hmm. I wrote his name down on almost every special team's punt. He is down there in a heartbeat. Here's the other reason. He was the first guy in the field when they needed him. Early on in the season, Roger Lewis had a touchdown catch. He was the first one on, at, off the bench to to play wide receiver. I think he showed enough in camp. Uh, Tavares King, I think at this point, I think he offers something that Lewis doesn't. But I think he's also older, and he offers less overall than Roger Lewis does.
1: Yeah, but I, I also feel that that roster spot is something. Even though he's older, you're not looking at that guy to be your fifth or sixth receiver for the next five years. I, you know, I, I think that you're looking for somebody that needs to come in and play right away. If if we the injury bug hits us or for whatever reason. You know, I, 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 I like him, you know, in the game more than I did in Lewis, I think. Really? You know, he had that, yeah, just there was something about him where that, the one touchdown he caught, the guy was wide open. You know, again, that might have been a busted coverage or something. But I just think that, you know, I, I know that we like to say, well, these guys doing in special teams and stuff. but. That's also Dwayne Harris's kind of role too, right? Isn't he like one of the main gunners too? So
0: that's what I was gonna say. The, our two main gunners were Lewis and Harris. I think Lewis might be our next Harris. I think this might be Harris's last year with the Giants. I think they keep both of them this year, and I think Lewis continues on as our special teams ace and, you know, fourth wide receiver going forward. I think I think that's gonna be his role, which is what I think they signed Harris to do. Was to be the fourth wide receiver, the first guy off the bench, and to be the guy who's always back there. Mm-hmm. I think that's what they kind of want to do with Lewis.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if we're starting to split hairs over who's our fifth or sixth receiver, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, it's it's not it, it's it's an interesting thing to see in a competition in camp, but again, it's not you know it's not as critical as who's going to be our first or second guy, too. So no. I think if you know the, the difference between the two is incremental, it may come down to special teams and being in mm-hmm. that you know, having that role. So we'll see.
0: And holy damn, man. I mean, who, <laughs> the, I mean, really just looking at these names, its I have them all separated by position. So I, I just keep forgetting that it's, it's Beckham, Shepard, Marshall, and Ingram. Yeah. That's, that is, yeah, it really is a ton of firepower.
1: And something different, like I mentioned a little earlier, is they're all not Smurfs. They're all not the same size and the same skill set who are all kind of, you know, Slot guys. I mean, these are guys, you know, the skill set of Brandon Marshall is completely different than the skill set of Sterling Shepard. And it, it, it's nice to have that variety now where maybe we won't get bogged down so much in the red zone because you have a guy like Brandon Marshall who can, who can clear out and, and get a jump ball. So,
0: I mean, can you think of a secondary in the league that can cover adequately all four of those guys? Ours? I, I mean, <laughs> I don't even think we have four corners on the roster right now. No, no, I don't think so. So I mean it's it's, it's a lot to look forward to.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean if uh and also with a, a wide receiver core like that, you know, if we're down in games, that means, you know, deficits can be overcome pretty quickly when you have guys like this. You know, Beckham is a, a, a touchdown waiting to happen on every throw to him. So sure. you know, Marshall and Ingram represent mismatches at their respective positions. Well, I and think certainly- Ingram is
0: actually both. I, I think Ingram is a mismatch, but he's also another guy who's a touchdown away every single time. That guy's well, got so much speed, people forget about it.
1: That's true. You know, within that mismatch, but again, I I, I want to see a little see him do it in the pros before I kind of make that assumption. Which, yeah, sure. Like Beckham has earned that, and you know, and he's proven it time and time again where he takes a simple slant or something, and oh shit. He just went seventy five yards yeah. on a play that really should have went twelve
0: yeah uh and and Shepard represents something where he's your six yards like every play you know he all he has to do is run that little slot right he he's he's a uh a chain mover
1: he reminds me of I killyard
0: really? I mean, don't
1: think I don't think he's as good as I Killyard at this point, but that type of receiver in this offense I mean, let would put it this way. More like what Ike Hilliard was back in the Florida days, I think. That was his role with what he is here. Um, you know, I think Ike became kind of a number one in this offense where he really was probably a really, really good number two in an offense.
0: I think he reminds – when he's lined up in the slot, he reminds me of when Victor Cruz was lined up in the slot. Um, I know that under Tom Coughlin, Victor Cruz moved all over the formation and he – he would take a lot of things to the house because he would get to the outside and stuff like that. But we ran a whole different offense in. But when I see him run those option routes, where he just kind of goes to the middle of the field and it's really just street ball between him and a corner, it, it, the way he runs those routes, you can't cover them. There's no one that can. Uh, that that's kind of what he reminds me of when I see him playing. Because if I think we had like maybe four fourth down, fourth and one conversions, fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and three conversions. Where we just threw it to Shepard because it was so easy. All he had to do is make that one initial win and then catch the ball, and he had And personally.
1: now, and now that you're at fourth and one. Now you have a Brandon Marshall, and now you have an Ingram on the field too. That he's even more, more deadly potentially.
0: Yeah, I I really think so. It if they can get the communication between those four guys and Eli, I can't think of a secondary in the league that can really handle that.
1: Yep. Well, we need an offensive line that can block long enough to make it happen. So yeah. Eli's doing a quick five-step drop, and all of a sudden has to swing out to a little little screen pass to get away from trouble. So there's a lot of moving parts. That if everything works right, this could be one of the five best offenses in the league.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. Giants fans were not that excited. That a lot didn't happen. The tight end position was not O.J. Howard, and you know they didn't get you know, Ryan Ramjic or Garrett Bowles to come in and play left tackle right now. And you know they didn't get somebody like Corey Davis to come in and. You know Yeah, cuz
1: most Giants fans, like most NFL fans again, hear names. They yeah. see YouTube clips, they see Melchior projections, you know, the, the Giants are prudent where they're not going to overspend or they're not going to go, you know, over ski their uh, skis just to pick up a name and you know, lose a draft pick to get him or, or to reach for him. So, you know, again, <laughs> let's let's let this draft play out. And we've said this time and time again, you know, and the guy maybe you didn't hear about or didn't cover in your, you know, three and a half minutes of draft assessment, he might be pretty good, too.
0: (laughs) I think the Giants made plenty of moves on the on the offensive side of the ball this year. I know that they didn't get a Dallas Cowboys offensive line, but I think they've got pretty much everything else.
1: I think 31 other teams don't have a Dallas Cowboy offensive line either. So,
0: yeah, I'm excited personally to see what this offense is going to bring. I'm not at all worried about Evan Ingram's blocking. I'm not at all worried about, you know, who's gonna win the right tackle spot. I think they've added quite enough for this. Individually
1: team. individually in vacuums there are things to be concerned about. Collectively the fear isn't as there as much as it was because there are so many weapons on, on that side of the ball now.
0: There's ways to hide those individual. Exactly. Issues. Yeah. Exactly. So that's going to be it for the offensive episode. Next week, we're going to go over the defensive side of the ball and how the draft has changed that. Um, and we'll also have a brief OTA wrap up because OTAs are this weekend, starting on the twelfth. I don't know. Did you have any final words on?
1: No. I mean, I think this is like I said. This has the potential, if everything breaks right, to be a top five offense in the league. You know, it, we need to stay healthy. Obviously, you know, you want to see more run production. You want to see how these mismatches can be exploited. And, uh, you know, bringing guys like Brandon Marshall into the fold, it's going to be interesting to see a guy like him. He said all the right things since he's come over, but he's not going to be the shining star in this offense like he has been in prior teams. Will that cause any chemistry issues? You know, when Beckham's getting 10, 12 passes a game, and all of a sudden there's that game when Marshall has 10 catches, is he going to pout and complain about it? These are kind of things that are unknowns we'll have to see and see how the season plays out. But the improvements in offense on paper combined with our defense make us a very under-the-radar pick to go pretty far in the NFC
0: this year. A lot of personalities that were added this year. And I think that if I can make an early prediction on those two personalities that you outlined in Marshall and Beckham, it's going to come down to whether or not we're winning. Oh, that's absolutely right. I think that they are both going to be humble and happy if the giants are winning games and i think they're both going to be frustrated and annoyed if they're not getting catches and they're not winning
1: yeah that's i think beckham is the one to watch more than brandon marshall i mean brandon marshall at least is a pro and he knows this is his last contract and he knows you know he basically gave up the open market to stay in new york so i think he's but he's still a receiver and he still has a history Beckham is still in his prime prima donna phase of his career where, you know, one drop pass early in a game or him not getting the numbers or going a quarter and a half without getting the ball. You know, I don't want to go back to seeing these theatrics we've seen in the last year or so from him. So
0: it's an important year for him. I think it's important to note that the theatrics with him came at the early stretch of the season where the Giants were tumbling where they lost three straight. Is pretty much where we saw all of those theatrics, and that's about it. He was quiet until the playoff loss.
1: Yeah. Well, again, so every time we lose or losing a game, he's going to go revert back to it. I mean, that's no. I think it's it's got to be gone.
0: I think it's just that simple for him. I think that he can handle if he only has, you know, four catches if we win, if we win the game, and the Giants are winning. I think. His frustrations just all are, are solely based around not his personal production, but the Giants team and how well they are doing.
1: Do you think he gets more pissed by not having as many receptions or not as many targets? It seems like he gets more pissed when he doesn't get the targets. I don't know. I think has he ever I think a had a, a
0: low number of targets though?
1: I mean there's stretches in games where, you know, like I said, we go a quarter, quarter and a half, and it's like
0: you
1: know, Beckham has had two targets so far in this game and you can see him getting frustrated.
0: Maybe. I I, I haven't really uh given that an assessment at all it's <laughs> it's entirely possible his frustration takes him out of games though it does i mean there's
1: one thing to be frustrated there's another thing to be self-psyching out and that's what he does
0: has he had a personal, personal foul this the, the past year did he have any i think he had
1: one early on and it was silly i don't remember for sure but i, I kind of remember he had having one
0: i i remember the the west and richburg one where it was actually the one that got him thrown out of the game against washington Right. Was right. on a Beckham catch and he I I think he just pancaked the shit out of Josh Norman and then said something to him on the ground. And right. Got him thrown out of the game. But
1: I think I got thrown out of the game because it was his second one, I think. Like, yeah, but again. the other
0: one was a different personal foul or something like that. Right, right, you know? right, right. I think the significant progress last year that people undermined was because there were still theatrics, was that he was able to control himself and not to get penalties. So right. it was a step.
1: It's a step. I mean, he's got. His, he's still 23. He's got to mature, but you know, hopefully, he's going in the right direction. We can't have this in three years from now.
0: No, God. I and, in and my no, opinion, I think. I no, they're not going to
1: trade him, and they're not going to not re-sign him because of this theatrics. But you know, you get frustrated as a Giant fan. Like, come on, dude.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us. We'll see you again next week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at football underscore underscore grump. Or you can follow the podcast at at JustGiantsPod or send us an email at JustGiantsPodcastGmail.com.
1: And you can follow me at The Cranky Fan and follow my – this is my companion show, Mark and the Cranky Fan, where we talk all things Florida Gator football. Um, You can find that on SoundCloud along with this episode on SoundCloud. And yes, we are working on getting this on iTunes. We just can't read directions and
0: figure out how to do it. So (laughs) keep – Keep, Keep the following faith. along,
1: and we will hopefully have some good news at some point when we get competent.
0: All right, that's going to be it. Go, Giants.
1: Go, Giants.